All right, we are going to be in um, Isaiah chapter 8 this morning. If you uh, got an outline, then um, you'll see there's no way we're going to get through with it this morning, and that's okay. I'm not even going to try. I'm going to shoot for maybe two points, and we'll see if, um, see if we can get that much done. If not, just keep this outline. Next week, we'll finish it up. But um, um, if you didn't get an outline, they put it on our Facebook page. And so if you'd like to go to, uh, if you have Facebook and you'd like to go, go to that, um, it'll be on our Wells Baptist Church Facebook, Facebook page. And then also out here in the foyer, there's copies of it out here on a, um, like a little pulpit or podium thing out there. So if you'd like to go out there and get one, you're welcome to do that. All right, Isaiah chapter 8. Kirby's already read the, the first part of it for us, so we're not going to go through it again. But I'd like to talk to you this morning about how we respond to the darkness. How do we respond to the darkness in our life? And all of you know that there are many things in this life that brings darkness. Now, we haven't experienced darkness to the, great, to the degree that we're going to... I don't think we've experienced it to the degree that we're going to see Judah experience it this morning. Um, basically... Israel and Syria have joined an alliance and they have come down and decided that they want to attack Judah, install their own king, and uh, form a kingdom out of them. And um, God has promised that it's not going to succeed, but they are going to do great damage on this place. And then ultimately, Assyria is going to come in and destroy the northern kingdoms, and then it's going to bleed over into the southern kingdom of Judah and we're going to see some of that. But I want to remind you that basically how we got here is that Isaiah has been sent by God to preach coming judgment to Judah and to the, to the people of Judah. And ultimately, for 16 years between chapter 6 and chapter 7, Isaiah has been preaching and preaching that you are turning away from the Lord. You're, you're not trusting in the Lord. Instead, you're trusting in all the things of the world. And he has been trying to get people to turn back to God. But God told Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 that the only thing that's going to happen is that people's um, eyes are going to be blinded even more. Their ears are going to become more and more deaf and they're not going to hear. Their hearts are just going to become hardened and grow more and more dull. And ultimately, that's what happens to a lot of people um, that are not Christians that hear the truth of the Word of God. They come in here and they hear it but instead of actually believing it and receiving it, their heart just grows dull toward it, their ears grow deaf toward it, their eyes go blind to it, and they pay it no attention whatsoever. And the more and more they do that, their heart just gets worse and worse, and their eyes grow more and more blind, and it becomes harder and harder for them to hear and believe the truth of, of God's preaching. But Isaiah has been preaching to these people, and they're not hearing it, and they have been told that if they will only believe, God is promising that He is going to save them from this alliance that their northern um, neighbors and brothers have formed with Syria. He said, I'm going to save you from that. If you will only believe, I'm going to make sure that you make it out of this, basically untouched. But you know, we studied last week that Ahaz and Judah, they didn't believe it. They didn't trust God. And instead, they started making their own plans and their own security about how they're going to defend themselves from this uh, war that's coming to them. And ultimately, God basically tells them that because of your unbelief, I'm going to allow Syria and Israel to come down and attack you. 
Now they're not going to conquer you, and the reason being, we know, I told you this a few weeks ago, is because Judah is where the house of David is. And who is it that's prophesied to come from the house of David? Jesus, the Messiah. And so he's not going to let Judah be completely destroyed because he's already promised that this is where the Messiah is going to come from. The the lineage of David has to go on. The kings of David have to continue on because ultimately there is going to come the king of all kings from this lineage. But because of their disobedience, God allows them to basically be almost consumed. And then after that, He tells them that Assyria is going to come in, and that's what Kirby read to you this morning in chapter 8, verse 1 through 10. God is going to allow a darkness to sweep over this land. Assyria is going to come in and they are a ruthless people. And they are going to come in and they are going to destroy completely Israel, the northern kingdom, and Syria, not Assyria, but Syria. He's going to wipe them out completely. And then it's going to bleed over into Judah to the point that 90% of the house of David is going to be completely destroyed. Now 10% is going to be left. And God promised them that a remnant is going to return. They're going to be carried off in the captivity, but God is going to save a remnant, and they are going to return, and they are going to be blessed by God in the kingdom. So Isaiah in chapters 8 and 9 is prophesying to Judah about this coming darkness, this coming destruction. That's the context. When we read this, I want you to understand, he's talking to them about the fact that God is going to allow darkness to descend on His people because of their disobedience, and there is going to be a coming destruction and a coming darkness that they can't even imagine. And he wants them to know, this is how you respond to it when it comes. And so Isaiah chapter 8 is going to be about how do we respond to the darkness when God allows it to come our way. Notice in verse 1 and 2, if you have your outline, I I entitled this, Follow the Written Word. Follow the Written Word. The first way that we respond to darkness when God allows it to come is God has given us a written word to be our guide along the way. He gives us a written word to to, to give us direction on which path we are to take. He gives us a written word to convict us of sins in our life. He gives us a written word to see um, uh, why the darkness is here. Why do we experience the darkness the way that we do? He's given us a written word to give us encouragement and hope in the darkness to the people that will trust Him and believe in Him. And so God gives them the written word. Now I want you to notice in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 8. Then the Lord said to me, and this is Isaiah, take a large tablet and write on it in common characters. Or some of your versions may say ordinary letters. Or some of your versions may say, with a man's um, um, pen, something to that effect, a man's stylus. And ultimately, what he's saying is this. In these days, it was very common for a prophet to receive the Word of God, and it be pinned down by scribes in writing that not everybody may be able to read. And what would happen is the disciples of this prophet would then take that prophecy And they would do like I'm doing today. They would come before the people and they would say, Thus says the Lord. And they would go through the explaining of what God is saying to the people at this time. 
And the problem was that not everybody was educated enough to be able to read and understand certain symbols and certain ways it was written. And so God comes in and He tells Isaiah, I'm going to give you a written word for this time of darkness. I want you to write it on a large tablet. In other words, I want everybody to be able to see it. I want you to write it with common characters, with, with lettering and with, uh, in, in a style that no matter who comes up, if the old uneducated farmer comes up, he is able to read and understand this. And so he wants everybody to be able to turn to this testimony whenever it is that the darkness comes and they need to be able to have direction in this light. And so he gives them a written word. And notice what he says next. And write on it in common characters, belonging to Mehir Shalal Hashbaz. And ultimately, that is translated to mean concerning the spoil or the hastening to the spoil. And so in big letters, he wants the title of this thing to be a prophecy concerning the quick hasten to the spoil that's about to happen. In other words, again, we're fixing to read Assyria, a ruthless people, are fixing to come down and they are going to hasten to the spoil of the kingdoms of Israel, kingdom of Syria, and even the kingdom of Judah. And it's going to happen quickly. And so he wants them to have a large prophecy written down about the darkness that is coming this way, the hastening to the spoil that Assyria is fixing to do. So I have to ask the question, what is in this prophecy? What is it that we write down? Or what is it that Isaiah records here? Well, we get a little glimpse of that in verses 6 through 10. So skip down with me for just a minute to verses 6 through 10. And notice that first he says, "...because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently, and rejoice over Rezin and the son of Remelia. Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them." Who's doing it? The Lord is. "...the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many." And here's what he means by it. "...the king of Assyria in all of his glory." and it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks, and it will even sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even up to the neck. In other words, like we said before, 90% of Judah is going to be taken down. But he didn't say the water's going to go over their head. They're not going to drown. But the water's coming up to the neck. In other words, there's a lot of darkness that's coming this way, right? And so... Basically, what I want you to understand is this. In verses 6 through 10, he tells them, this is going to happen because these people have refused the gentle waters of shallow. The, the people that read this prophecy would have understood this completely. You and I, maybe not so much. But one of the things you need to understand is this is a stream, that a gentle flowing stream that came out of Mount Zion in Jerusalem. It came out of Judah, out of the house of David. Remember, Israel, the northern kingdom, rejected this rule. They didn't want the house of David. They didn't want the, the Messiah king over them. They wanted their own king. And this is the reason why the nation of Israel split into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Judah remained faithful to the house of David, to the lineage that the Messiah would come from. Israel, on the other hand, 
turned away from it, raised up their own king, and went their own way. And God says, because they refused the gentle waters that flow out of Shiloh, or in other words, the waters, the, the rule, the gentle way that the house of David ruled over them, they refused it. And ultimately what they did was they rejected the authority of God in their lives. They knew what the authority of God was. They knew what the prophecy was and who their king was supposed to be. And they said, we don't want him. And because of that, God is going to bring up against them an an evil army of Assyria. He's going to allow them to come down and sweep their land. It is going to rise, sweep over into Judah and rise even up to the neck. And so again, what do we learn from this? Well, we learn the reason for the darkness. Why is the reason for the darkness in our world? Because we do not want the authority of God over our lives. Teenagers, y'all listen to me today. This culture will teach you that there's nothing wrong with sex before marriage. I don't care what this culture says. The rule of God says different. And it is important that we understand that if we do not trust what the written Word of God tells us, submit ourselves to it, ultimately what, we are re- what we're doing is rejecting the rule of God. And I get it. I do. There are many areas. Other than that, I'm not just trying to focus on the teenagers, adults. There are so many ways that you and I reject the authority of God in our lives. And ultimately, the Bible teaches us that there is none good, not even one. That means that the reason why the darkness is in this world is because every one of us, you and I, are the same way. We do not want the authority of God in our lives. We want to live our own lives. We want to do our own thing. We can make our own decisions for ourselves. We don't need God to tell us what to do, what's right and what's wrong. I can decide that for myself. And ultimately, how's that working out for us as a world? It ain't working out. You want to know why the darkness is in the world the way that it is? Because the world don't want God. Every man wants to do what is right in his own eyes and what's right in his own heart. And as a result of that, the darkness of God sweeps into this nation and each and every one of us are affected by it in some way or another. Now I'm not saying that every darkness that you experience in your life is a result of a personal rejection of God from you. Although sometimes, how many of you know it is? But I am telling you that all the darkness in the world is a result of the fact that as a whole, we don't want the rule of God in our lives. You ever wonder why schools get shot up? You ever wonder why people go out and rape rape women and, and children and babies? They do it because they do whatever is right in their own eyes. They do it because whatever desires and lusts and passions they have in their heart, they don't look to the rule of God, but instead they want to do whatever fulfills their heart. And that's what the world will teach you today. The world will teach you today, if it feels good, do it. Don't you let somebody tell you that the way that you... Don't somebody tell you who you should love. Love is love. Ain't that what they say? And the point being is that we don't want God. We want what we want. Can anybody in here testify to that in your life? 
Ultimately, I have to deny that flesh. I have to, the Bible tells us to crucify that day after day, to kill the flesh by following the Spirit. And how do we do that? Through the written Word of God. He gives it to us as a guide, as a direction. It tells us the reason for the darkness in the world. Can I tell you that one of the reasons, just one of many, one of the reasons why I believe the Bible 100% I have full assurance that it is indeed the Word of God. Not a book written by men. God Himself gave us a book. You want to know why? Because it is the only thing, and let me say it again, the only thing that can explain to me or you about why the world is the way that it is. It's the only thing that it can explain to me why I am the way that I am. There are some times that I think about the thoughts and the things that go through my mind. There are times I curse God in my mind. There are times that, that, in, my, that in my mind I think things that are, I'm talking about as sinful and as terrible as anything you've ever thought. Can I get a witness? There are things that enter my heart that I know are so ungodly. Do you ever wonder why you are that way? The Bible explains it to you. The Bible tells you why your heart is the way that it is. The Bible is the only thing, the only thing that can tell me why there is darkness in this world and why there is darkness in my own heart and my own mind. And it explains it in a way that I know that's true because that's me. That's me. I see myself here. And so in this here, Isaiah is going to write down for them the reason for the darkness in the land. They're going to be able to see that in verses 6 through 10. In verses 11 through 15, we find the, the direction in the written word. Notice in verse 11, For the Lord spoke thus to me with His strong hand upon me, and warned me not to walk in the way of this people. We get direction from the word of God. Don't follow the path that the majority of the people are following. Are you going to be um, exiled as a result of it? Probably. You're probably not going to have as many friends as you would like to have. The friends you used to run with, how many of you know that when you start changing your life and walk in a different direction, they don't want to run with you anymore? I'm not going to call no names, but i got friends in my life that I came up with. We were brothers. Today, we don't even know each other. Why? Because my life went a different path. Now, was that because of anything I did? No. Only by the grace of God did my life go a different path, but it did. And because it went another path, I am not friends with a lot of people that I used to be friends with. As a matter of fact, our friends list is pretty small. The truth of the matter is, if you're not a part of this active congregation and you're not involved in the ministries of this church and, and we're not together in this church doing things, we probably don't have much of a relationship. It's just the fact of it. Why? Because my life goes a different direction and it don't follow the way of this world. And so it, this written word is going to give direction. Notice what he says in verse 12. Do not call conspiracy or confederacy all that this people calls a confederacy. Do not fear what they fear nor be in dread. Ultimately, they were wanting to make alliances with other people because God told them this darkness is coming and they're trying to save themselves from it. How stupid is that to think you can save yourself from something God said He's going to do? 
He said, don't follow the way of this world. Don't do what they're doing. Don't fear what they fear. Don't be in dread of what they be in dread. But, I love verse 13, but the Lord of hosts, Him you shall honor as holy. Let Him be your fear. Let Him be your dread. My point that I'm making is this. The written Word of God tells us the reason for the darkness. The written Word of God tells us the direction for our lives and which path we should take, which path we shouldn't take. The written Word of God is vital for us as Christians if we are going to follow God in the path that He would have us follow. And then in verses uh, in chapter 9, verse 1 through 7, He don't just leave us there, but in this prophecy, He includes future hope. He says, here's the reason for the darkness. Here's what you do. Here's the direction you follow. Here's how you're made right with me. But let me tell you something. Even though there's darkness now, hope's coming. Hope is coming. It's not always going to be gloom and doom for those that trust the Lord and follow the Lord. But instead, there is a light, a great light that is shining in this darkness. And for those of us that will hope in that light and follow that light, that light is going to lead us to a place to where we experience no darkness anymore. And so the written Word of God is vital in the life of a believer. You know, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You want to know how you have full assurance in your life? You want to know how you have direction in your life? You want to know how you understand why things happen in your life the way that they do? Why the world is the way that it is? You want to know where you get hope and encouragement so that you don't lose heart in the midst of all of it? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word of Christ. The written Word of God. Notice also in Romans chapter 4, verse 3, He tells us that we're saved by believing the Word of God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. What did Abraham do? Did it say, did it say Abraham was such a, a good person, and Abraham did everything right, and Abraham had no sin in his life, and because of that, God accounted him as righteous? Is that what it said? What did he say? He believed God. He believed God. When God said something to him, he believed it. And because he believed God, that's faith. And faith comes by what? Hearing the Word of God. And the Bible tells us that today, this is how we hear God in all of our ways. All right. So, faith comes by hearing, we're saved by believing the Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 17, look at what we have here. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. So Paul tells Timothy, keep on in what you've learned. Keep on following the path you're following. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Talking about the written Word of God there, right? which are able to make you wise for salvation. Why is that? Because faith comes through hearing. Hearing the Word of God. We hear it, we believe it, and God accounts it to us as righteousness. And it makes us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. But look what else it does. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Remember, your ways are not God's ways. 
your heart is not like God's heart. Do y'all know that this morning? Does anybody else in here know that besides me? Your heart is not like God's heart. Your mind is not like God's mind. You need a new mind. And you need a new heart. How do we get that? Through faith in God's Word. Through believing what He said. Through following His teaching. By putting to death the flesh. By crucifying the the, the thoughts of the mind and the heart day after day after day. By going to war with what I know is ungodly in me. And instead, I turn around and I go to the Scripture for my teaching. I go to the Scripture for my reproof. I go to the Scripture for my correction. That word reproof could also be translated conviction. How many of you know that I need conviction in my life? And I'm thankful that even though the world would tell me this is not wrong, the Word of God will give me reproof. The Word of God will give me conviction. The Word of God will teach me the way in which I should go. And it's not just for that, but it is for training in righteousness. I know people that they go to the gym. I know people that are addicted to it. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. The Apostle Paul actually said, bodily exercise profiteth a little. A little. And so, I'm not saying bodily exercise is wrong. I'm not saying that it's bad. But I know people that that is their life addiction. I know people that's their church. Alright? And I know people that work and train so hard on the body. And as they train, you know what happens to the body? It starts getting sculpted. The body starts looking like a masterpiece for those that actually train. Now listen, I, go, I used to go to gym once or twice a year. I didn't really get that. But my training was not very much. But the people that actually put training into it, I mean, they become sculpted. They become, the body becomes a masterpiece. And it, it is something that is pleasant to the eyes to look at, right? And so one of the things that we see in this is that the Bible is given to us for training in righteousness. Do you want to be, become more sculpted in your righteousness? You want to become more perfect in the way that you follow Christ and the way that you follow His ways? It's by the written Word of God that He has given us. And when we allow it to teach us, to convict us, to correct us, to train us, look what happens. That the man of God or the woman of God, whichever way you want to put it, may be what? Complete. Equipped for every good work. I'm telling you that God has always given the written Word of God for these purposes. And when He told Isaiah, there's darkness coming. And you know what happens when darkness comes? When darkness comes, we start looking for salvation, don't we? Now when things are not dark, are we looking for salvation? No. Man, when all is well in the world, most of us don't even really turn to God for much. I mean, let's face it, we've got everything we need, right? As long as the job is good. As long as the marriage is good, as long as the kids are good, as long as the house is good, as long as the cars are running, as long as everything is good, we're good. But you let darkness come into the world. We start looking for salvation, don't we? We start looking for help. Darkness is here and I can't do nothing about it. I need help. 
And God said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put the written Word of God. Go with me down to uh, in Isaiah chapter 8, verse. Um, look at verse 19 and 20. Or actually, start in verse 16. Start in verse 16, because God tells Isaiah to do something. He says, Isaiah, bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. You know what he means there? You're writing it on a large tablet so everybody can read it and understand it, but bind it up. Seal it up for right now. Well, when, Lord? When are we going to need it? Well, notice what he says in verse 19. <clears throat> and when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers or the fortune tellers and, and uh, the people that invoke the dead who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? In other words... The people are going to start looking for guidance. They're going to start looking for direction. And you know where they're going to go? They're going to go up here to 2nd Street where the tarot, card, tarot cards or whatever you say it are read. That's right. You heard me. They're going to go up there and they're going to try to have somebody that will do a seance. They want somebody that will raise their dead loved ones back up so they can tell them what to do. God said... When they come to you looking for direction and they're going to all the wrong places, look at, verse uh, look at verse 20. Here's what you do. To the teaching and to the testimony. And if they will not speak according to this Word, it is because they have no light in them at all. Where do we go when the darkness comes into our life? Where do we go to figure out why things are the way that they are? Where do we go when we need guidance and teaching for which way to turn? Do we go to all the places the world goes? No, to the teaching, to the testimony. God said when the darkness comes and the people come to you and they start looking for direction, you pull out the teaching that you bound up. You pull up the testimony that they ain't been going to and you lay it out there so that everyone can read it. Y'all tracking with me this morning? Here's the point. Darkness is in this world. Y'all figured that out yet? We need salvation. We need direction. Our hearts and our minds don't naturally navigate, navigate toward God. Naturally, they navigate toward every other which way that the world goes. And when that darkness comes, the very first thing, I'm only at point one... <laughs> The very first thing that God teaches you that you do, you turn to the teaching and to the testimony. And you let it give you the answers for why there is darkness in this world. You let it give you the direction for which way you follow and which way you don't follow. You let it give you the encouragement and the hope that you need as you look to the promises and the, and the salvation that God says He's going to do. That it's not always going to be gloom. And when that darkness descends on you, you trust in that with all of your heart. Look at what Isaiah did in the darkness in, in verse uh, 17. And I close with this. In verse 17, look what Isaiah said. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob right now. So in other words, we're in the darkness, right? Right now we're in the darkness. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to wait on him. And while I'm waiting on him, you know what else I'm going to do? And I will hope in him. 
When darkness comes your way, turn to the testimony. You turn to the teaching. And then you trust in His promises and you wait on Him. The darkness will not last forever. What does the Word say? Weeping may endure through the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. And so as long as I'm here in the time of weeping, I'm going to keep looking to the Word. I'm going to keep coming to hear the Word. I'm going to keep coming to learn the Word. I'm going to keep coming to be trained in righteousness. And while I'm doing that, I am going to wait on the Lord. And I am going to hope in the promises that He gives me. It will not be gloom and it will not be darkness forever. How do I know that? Because there's a great light that has already shown and He's already proven to me that He is going to overcome all the darkness that this world can throw at us.